This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Time can feel like it's in short supply. Between work, family, and friends, there's very little time left just for you. What would you do with an extra hour in your day? What's important to you? Therapy can help you find what matters to you so that you can do more of it. It's a great way to increase self-awareness, build a greater sense of purpose, deal with overthinking, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash be here now today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash be here now. One of my favorite practices or prayer is to imagine placing the world within my heart and feel the love that infuses everything, every bird and butterfly, the trees and the ocean, the chipmunks that have just reappeared in the garden after their hibernation, the bleary-eyed child waiting for the school bus I pass on my morning walk. Everything, every dream, every cloud passing is infused with love. Welcome to the Be Here Now guest podcast. This series features a collection of teachings and conversations centered around mindfulness, spiritual growth, and living a life in balance. Each week, our diverse network of guest teachers and hosts offer up wisdom and practices from a different spiritual path and perspective. If you would like to support this podcast, please visit BeHereNowNetwork.com slash donate. Stories of the Heart In these stories of the heart I place the foundational spiritual qualities of love, presence and prayer within the landscape of today. What does it mean to live our true nature amidst this existential crisis of climate catastrophe and ecological devastation, amidst a dying world? Love and service, which belong to the core of Ramdas's own life and teaching, suggests that our individual journey is part of a greater whole and that we each need to find our way to live in relationship to this living oneness which needs our love, our care and attention. In these three pieces I return to familiar themes, living at the end of an era, in a time of great dying, and yet holding a thread to a living future, a thread I find most present in the natural world, suggesting a way to reconnect with the earth and her more-than-human inhabitants. But these stories are also very personal. What it means for me as a mystic to grow old in such a darkening landscape, and how to find a place of belonging in a world that seems increasingly alien, I no longer expect to find any answers or propose plans for a better future, but rather to try to find the threads that connect us to each other, to the earth and the love that sustains us all. These are stories of the heart, words which belong to the depths of my soul, as well as to the empty places I have wandered, the visions I have seen, the beauty and sorrow I have come to know, and the awareness of the living moment 
always a return to what is simple, which sings with the beauty and wonder of our shared existence. The blue heron in the lagoon, feathers sometimes ruffled against the wind, the red-tailed falcon that came to sit on a branch outside my window, my love for the earth. In the first piece I find a place of belonging in the simple beauty of my garden, while the second piece speaks to being present in each moment, not as a spiritual practice, but just an ordinary way of being. Finally, in the third piece I find the threads of love that are woven throughout our shared existence, and the prayer that brings them all together within my heart. 1. The Gift of a Garden Walking between worlds, between stories, in a landscape where everything is uncertain, requires courage and conviction. A desire to step outside the arid land of our present civilization and its conditioning, even if we still walk its streets, still buy our food in its supermarkets. That is why it is so important to have communities to support us, a simple spiritual practice to anchor us, and if possible to find a place of belonging in a world that is becoming more and more out of balance, at times even appearing increasingly crazy. How we find this place of belonging is part of our own story. It often comes unexpectedly as a gift, as it did for me when I arrived in a small town beside the ocean thirty years ago where people in the store seem to know each other. As I have said before, all we can tell is our own story, the threads we have followed, or which have been woven into our life. Over half a century ago, when a Zen koan awoke me from a grey English middle-class life, I found myself in a garden beside a river, with sunlight sparkling on the water, and colours I had never seen before. Everything was alive with light, and there was a wonder and joy present. For the first time, life opened its door of magic and laughter. It was like a first love, unexpected. My mind did not attempt to understand. But over the years, I held this experience as a moment complete in itself. Now, as the seasons of my life draw to a close, and I am no longer a young man in the intensity of awakening, I find myself back in a garden feeling gratitude for another moment of belonging. As I grow older, I find the world beyond our small town increasingly alien, difficult to understand. I prefer what is simple, the wind in the trees, the hot cup of tea, the silence of prayer and remembrance, and the beauty of the gift of a garden. Our house on a hill beside the bay has a beautiful garden, which my wife made and tends with love, watering and weeding. It is full of colour and fragrance, purples and yellows and pinks, budlier bushes and foxgloves, clematis falling over the fence, hummingbirds' tiny beaks drinking nectar. It is a magical space and the spirits of the garden are happy. It is one of the delights of my old age to sit in the courtyard, watching the birds at the bird feeders, mostly sparrows and finches, but sometimes woodpeckers, their bright red heads pecking the seeds. When I used to come back from travelling, I would always first step into the garden and feel its peace, sense its natural magic. Then I knew I had come home. This is a meeting place of the worlds where all are welcome. Sacred place always used to be a space for the worlds to come together, the spirits of the land and the beings of light, 
with human beings as the guardians or gardeners of these spaces, keeping open the doorways, allowing magic to be alive. Traditionally, humans were always mediators between the worlds, not just shamans and healers, but all those who danced to the drum or dreamed of the hunt. For thousands of years, our consciousness held a magical awareness of the land and its many inhabitants, told in stories and remembered in songs. How this role slipped from our consciousness is part of our story of forgetfulness. But there was a time when all of the land was a multidimensional environment, awake in many ways. But if you can find a doorway that is open, stay there. Watch your dreams and sense what is unseen. The inner worlds need us to remember their existence, just as the light needs to be welcomed back. Storyteller, gardener, dreamer, lover, these are words that hint at our covenant with creation. If we can help a small piece of land become alive again, a wasteland grow flowers and attract bees and birds, we may find that we are back in a place of belonging. Love and care for the earth are words that come alive in our fingers, then a spark returns to the web of life. Not all of us can become organic farmers, restore wild places or plant trees, but we can each feel that the soil is sacred, even in a city window box of herbs or flowers. We can show our children how to plant seeds in the ground and watch the simple magic of green shoots appearing. We can also reimagine the inner garden of our soul, create a place protected from the demands of greed and desires. We can work to restore this inner land, often polluted by the noise and clutter of today's world, returning it to its natural beauty and sense of peace. Through prayer and love, we water and nurture the garden until it flowers into our life. St. Teresa imaged the soul as a garden and used the figure of a gardener watering the garden to describe the stages of prayer from the initial hard work of drawing water from the well to the final stage of grace when it rains. Through silence and grace, we may also begin to sense how our soul and the world's soul meet and merge, are part of a single inner landscape that also needs our attention. Our partnership was never just with the physical world and its many species, but always with all the worlds, seen and unseen. At the beginning, it all flowed together, only much later did it begin to separate, and we needed initiations or practices to enable us to see. That is why children can for a few years remain in a world of enchantment before their eyes become clouded. I do not know in the coming centuries what quality of perception will be returned to us. I hope that a reconnection to the natural world around us will help us to step out of the blinkers of a purely rational consciousness into a more fully relational way of being and seeing. At present, all we can do is recognize that the world around is alive in ways we do not fully understand, and allow ourselves to listen to the trees and the streams, to remember a fully animate world. Here in my own garden, there is a simple meeting with the sacred, felt in the air as fully as the sweetness of the honeysuckle in the evening. It is like a note that is deeply reassuring, reminding me of a place of belonging that is not just physical. As I sit in the evening, watching the shadows lengthen across the flower beds, seeing the chipmunks still scurrying for seeds fallen from the bird feeder, I no longer feel a stranger in a world spinning out of control.
Two, the living moment, reflections of an old man. The present moment is all around us, though mostly hidden, covered by our thoughts and the patterns of the day. I try to catch it early, often in the half-light, before the world wakes, watching the colours change in the sky, or in the soft light of evening, when even the chipmunks seem not to scurry so fast, and sometimes I can see the wings of an owl moving between the trees. It is so easy to lose this moment, to return to what the mind tells us, to all of this world's dramas, hopes and fears. But then, picking a ripe tomato from the garden, tasting its sweetness, the moment is back, unadorned, complete. I think that young children mostly live in the moment, until they are taught to forget, to become full of the world of their parents, to experience time passing, clocks and calendars. But the moment is not like this. Time passes here too, like the rise and fall of the tides on the wetlands outside my window, or the clouds passing, the sun shining through. In this flow, moments pass but remain without questions or answers. Last week we had to cut down the wild rose bush that was breaking the fence. We have to keep the deer out of the garden, otherwise there would be no more roses or colours. It had grown unnoticed. Having a garden, one is always weeding, tending, mulching, pruning. But sometimes a plant grows unnoticed, returning to its wild self. If we are present in the moment, is this a practice or a natural way of being? Or have we lost what is natural so long ago that we need to consciously return? Watching the breath, watching it rise and fall, come and go, is the simplest way to be present. One cannot breathe in the past or future and here there are no thoughts, just simple awareness. For some this is an awareness of the body, sensations and feelings. But the breath also has a mystery, long known to spiritual practice. The breath connects together the worlds, the outer world of the senses and the inner world of the soul. With each and every in-breath, we return back to our own soul until the out-breath draws us into the outer world. Mystery upon mystery with each and every breath. While our culture is restless and full of countless activities that do not respect the original rhythm of life, the breath rhythm always brings us back to this primary rhythm and flow of letting come, letting go, and of waiting. If we don't use our willpower for breathing, but allow and surrender to this natural rhythm, in-breath, out-breath, and the often overlooked space before the next in-breath, then the breath can bring us back into harmony with life and become a bridge between spirit and matter, weaving the essence of the soul into creation in the most beautiful and meaningful way. And so the living moment contains both the outer physical world of the senses and the mystery of the soul, a dimension full of meaning and spiritual secrets. Sadly, our rational culture has censored much of this interior world, its symbols and sacred meaning, then the moment no longer breathes, is caught in the outbreath, no longer sings. When in the evening light I see two falcons on a branch, something touches me, reminds me of an elemental world of symbols and signs. I do not try to understand, but rather allow myself to be met, to be spoken to in this primal language. It helps me to feel at home in a world that is increasingly strange. 
It is not hard then to remember a world in which we walked in constant communion with the inner, when symbols were alive and the sacred sang to us. Was it progress that made us forget this elemental connection, part of our journey of separation that has taken humanity so far from the source? When I am present in the moment, there are neither questions nor answers. These belong to my thinking mind. Simple awareness is not like this, more a state of being. These are the last late days of summer. The garden has fewer colours now, the last blooms of yellow and pink roses. The final squash are flowering, the apples and tomatoes turning red. My only thought for the future is whether the pair of crows will eat all our apples before they fully ripen, as happened last year. Soon the seasons will turn, the moments will have different textures. Hopefully the rains will come, storms rolling in from across the Pacific, wild nights. I feel very fortunate. I have a dry roof, a warm bed and food in the fridge. I know that half a world away, where the war drags on, the moments are more cruel, inhuman, sorrow and tears, as well as kindness and courage, all because of an old story of conquest and control. There the moments must have an intensity very different to here, in our small community beside the ocean. There death walks more visibly. As our world seems to spin out of control, I am privileged to rest in simplicity. Or maybe this is just what happens when one gets older and the demands of the day fall away, when there are few desires left. Then all that is left is the moment. For many years now I have practiced both sitting and walking meditation, sitting in silence with an empty mind, being drawn further into love and emptiness, and walking, feet on the ground, often watching the breath, trying also to keep my mind empty but present. I can make the same walk again and again over the years, but each day is different. The movement of the trees, the sunlight on the leaves, the texture of the clouds. Watching the fruit in my neighbor's orchard ripen is how time speaks to me. I do not understand why people need to scroll through social media, be angry about what does not exist. Love and friendship and silence make sense to me. Yet in the moment I also often feel sadness, Grief at how we are treating this beautiful earth, the same being I feel under my feet when I walk. Sadness also at how we have neglected the inner worlds and the place where spirit and matter meet. Each moment is alive in so many ways, ways we seem to have lost long ago, both when I am walking and sitting. Dreams, visions and unseen worlds can catch the corner of my eyes, as in the moment when you awake and your dreams are most present before the day forgets them. I can sit under a tree and feel its living presence, but I also know it belongs to a whole landscape from which we have estranged ourselves. I do not ask too many questions, preferring just to watch and be present, but I do wonder if it was our destiny or choice to wander so far from what is always around us, what sustains us and gives us sacred meaning. Did our desire for progress force us to become so blinkered in our awareness? In some moments stories are present, some threads woven across centuries. Here beside the bay, it is the stories of the land and the seasons, of those who walked this land for millennia, who understood its rhythms and patterns of subsistence, who fished its waters before they were banished along with their language and customs. The stories of today are also present, those of the climate crisis, 
droughts and heat waves, the fires that burn each summer. There are also the strange distortions swirling across the country. If I am drawn to any stories, it is those for a living future. What we need to remember in order to form a community that respects the land and its spirits, so that the future can be sacred, something so simple and yet so easily forgotten, hidden like the deer trail I just found the other day at the edge of my garden, leading into the deeper forest. Some moments I am present in these stories, wondering how humanity would journey through the changing landscape, how we would transition back to the living earth, to a way of being that respects its more-than-human inhabitants. But when I watch the deer and her fawn eating the grass in the evening, these thoughts fade away, in the same way on my early morning walk, when I stop by a spider's web sparkling with dewdrops. Moment by moment life is alive in ways beyond my limited understanding. It is woven together in so many threads, patterns of interconnection constantly evolving. This is how the world has always been. We may have pushed the biosphere past tipping points and into feedback loops, but this does not deny its simple wonder and patterns of regeneration. As I walk this land in the last years of my life, I am no longer concerned about purpose, even spiritual purpose. Those are just ideas long left by the wayside. If I can spend some of these years, these days, these moments, in the simple presence of what is always around me, it is like a note being struck that resonates deep in my being. I am reminded of a Chinese poem. Ten thousand flowers in spring, the moon in autumn, a cool breeze in summer, snow in winter. If your mind isn't clouded by unnecessary things, this is the best season of your life. I meditate, I pray, I water the vegetables in the garden. When the first light comes in the morning, I am often awake, waiting for the sun to turn the hills first pink and then red. When evening comes and the setting sun is reflected from over the ocean, I wait for the first star of the night. Some nights I can see the Milky Way stretch across the sky. I am happy with rice and vegetables for lunch, especially if the squash came from our garden. A slice of bread and cheese in the evening, bread that my wife baked. Soon I will make tomato chutney with the green tomatoes that did not ripen. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Time can feel like it's in short supply. Between work, family, and friends, there's very little time left just for you. What would you do with an extra hour in your day? What's important to you? Therapy can help you find what matters to you so that you can do more of it. It's a great way to increase self-awareness, build a greater sense of purpose, deal with overthinking, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash be here now today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash be here now. Three, love and prayer. One of my favorite practices or prayer is to imagine placing the world within my heart and feel the love that infuses everything, every bird and butterfly, 
the trees in the ocean, the chipmunks that had just reappeared in the garden after their hibernation, the bleary-eyed child waiting for the school bus I pass on my morning walk. Everything, every dream, every cloud passing is infused with love, is an expression of love. Love is the source of all that exists, is all that exists. This primary mystical awareness is stamped into my soul and consciousness, following me throughout the day, and especially in the early hours of the morning, when prayer takes me, when the world of thoughts has faded away and the heart's presence is all that matters. Scientists may tell us that our universe began 13 billion years ago with the Big Bang, when from an infinitely hot and dense single point matter came into existence. But mystics know a different truth, how from the unborn and undying emptiness, existence is constantly being created as a flow of light and love that then becomes physical form. And this love remains the foundation, the essence of everything, every particle and every star. It is the primary energy power presence within the created world. And it is our divine nature, always evolving and changing within our body and soul, even as it remains constant. In today's world, we associate love with personal relationships. We seek for it in a lover, experience it through the tenderness of a mother's touch. We often associate it with passion, desire or sex, even though its essence is quite different. I never knew love in my own childhood, never heard the word I love you. I don't think my parents even knew that it existed. Instead, it was a cold, middle-class childhood of boarding school and cold bars, endless sports on muddy fields. But in my late teens, love came calling, singing out its name, drawing me deep within the heart. Love calls to us in many different ways. As Rumi says, Sultan, saint, pickpocket, love has everyone by the ear dragging us to God by secret ways. While most people seek for love in the tangle of human relationships, I first experienced love and the longing for love, sitting at the feet of my teacher, a white-haired Russian woman who'd just come back from India where she had been trained by a Sufi master. In her small room beside the train tracks in North London, this invisible essence was present, tangible, This is what was awakened in me through the simple practice of sitting at the feet of my teacher and meditating on the heart, following the ancient Sufi tradition of divine love, the secret of secrets. Love speaks to our soul and to our body. Love includes all the senses, taste and touch, smell, sight and sound. Love, by its very nature, includes everything. It can be found anywhere, because it is everywhere the mystic uncovers the simple secret that in truth love flows through everything, sweet, tender, aching, knowing, as well as dark and passionate. And as this primal energy, this greatest power, awakens within us, within our heart, our soul, always it draws us deeper into its own mystery, into the secret of oneness, what the Sufis call the unity of being. My own journey took me from formlessness to form. As an intense young man when I first met my teacher, I only looked for love within the heart in deep meditation. But then I fell in love and was awakened to the beauty of a woman, to the feminine side of love and longing, 
I had been drawn into this mystery by the eyes of a woman and a longing in my heart. The tangle of her hair, the softness of her body, had taken and taught me what spiritual texts could not. Divine love is a spiritual and physical experience, and in a woman the two are united, body and soul. The Indian poet and princess Mirabai knew this secret. She was in love with Krishna, her dark lord, and she left her palace to dance before him in the jungle. She had experienced the soul's rapture with her dark lord, and speaks of the body's hidden treasures. O friend, understand, the body is like the ocean, rich with hidden treasures. Open your innermost chamber and light its lamp. Within the body are gardens, rare flowers, the inner music. Within the body a lake of bliss. On it the white soul swans take their joy. And in the body a vast market. Go there, trade. Sell yourself for a profit you can't spend. Mira says her Lord is beyond praising. Allow her to dwell near your feet. In her words of rapture, are one of the deepest mysteries of the feminine, how in her body are gardens of rare flowers and the inner music. This is not just erotic imagery, but alludes to the secret of creation and the beauty and wonder that belong to this essential substance. Without this quality of the feminine, there would be no joy. The magic of life would not be present. Colors and fragrance would fade into dull, gray days. And now, as an old man... I find this secret of creation all around me. It walks with me beside the bay in the early morning, as I follow the quails scurrying down the path, the baby rabbits hopping out of sight, the coyotes stalking in a nearby field, or the glimpse of a river otter, its nose just above the water. And in the depths of the night I know this love, both in the emptiness and the world of forms. I was born a stranger to love, did not know its meaning, even its existence. Over twenty years passed in a greyed-out world before desire for truth took me to love. And now all that is really left a lifetime later seems to be this quality of love that sustains me. After so long a journey, often tired, longing just to rest, I return to love, or love returns. And this love includes everything. It belongs not just to a human relationship, or to an inner relationship with God. It is a love that is everything, that flows through all that exists, sweet, tender, aching, knowing, or just a simple presence within the heart, a soft warmth that sometimes brings bliss. And love is free, a gift to each of us. Even if it costs blood and a broken heart, it is still free. Love is life speaking to its beloved, and the beloved speaking to life. And in that conversation, so many things can happen. So many miracles can be born. The small, unsuspected miracles that we often do not notice, like a moment of sunlight through the clouds, a flower blossoming from the sprout of a seed, a smile from a stranger. This world is steeped in this divine quality that is waiting to be born, to be brought into existence, to be loved into being. And just to be a part of it is enough is a story that sings in the heart. Yes, the world is full of discord and suffering, tears and blood, the bomb falling on a marketplace, the mother whose starving child is dying in her arms, 
this pain is real. And I do not attempt to understand how this is all born from love, is an expression of love. I do remember once when I was deeply praying for those suffering, a still voice came into my heart saying, You think I do not love these people? But how all suffering belongs to God and is also an expression of divine love is a mystery my mind cannot grasp, even if my heart has been taken to places where only this deeper oneness is real. And so, when I wake in the night and pray for the world, I am especially drawn to places of darkness and pain, to war and injustice, those fighting or demonstrating for freedom, those without food or shelter. And in my heart I also feel the earth being torn apart, species and wild beauty lost. Through it all the love remains, the one constant, the only true solace, the deeper knowing of our divine nature that we are all born from love and will return to love. This journey has taken me from formlessness to form, to life's unending multiplicity, beautiful, numinous and most ordinary, and then back into the infinite emptiness of the beyond. Love cries and often my heart feels broken. I sense that love is really all we have to give and the meaning behind every experience that touches the soul. Love is life's greatest gift, and our greatest gift back to life. And especially at this time, life, the earth, is calling out to be loved, to be held in the heart, so that this thread of love that is present throughout creation can support it in its crisis, so that a new story for humanity and the earth can begin to be woven into the fabric of existence. So again in the night, in the empty hours after midnight, traditionally known as the hour of God or the night prayer. When prayers are especially powerful, I turn my attention to the earth and the heart, the flow of love that comes from the beyond into existence, knowing only that this is a mystery to which I belong, felt in the tender touch of a loved one, as well as the vast spaces where stars are born. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Time can feel like it's in short supply. Between work, family, and friends, there's very little time left just for you. What would you do with an extra hour in your day? What's important to you? Therapy can help you find what matters to you so that you can do more of it. It's a great way to increase self-awareness, build a greater sense of purpose, deal with overthinking, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Be Here Now today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Be Here Now.